I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. For those of you joining us for the first time, Bad Storytellers is a podcast about a small group of amateur writers who submit and critique each other's work as well as discuss the written media we consume. It's like a book club but with a wider focus. Our group submissions are shared on our website, badstorytellers.com, and you can download them there if you'd like to read along with us. Additionally, we also accept your submissions for critique. If you would like some feedback with the same candor that we give each other, send in your submission to badstorytellers at gmail.com. Entries must be 10 pages or less. Additionally, at the end of each show, we roll the dice, pick three genres, and come up with a movie idea. Once we decide upon a name, we record the trailer for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the season-ending episode of Bad Storytellers. Uh, I'm your host today, Josh LaForge, and with me today is Max Wessel. Hey. Liam Malone. Call me, girl. And Tug Banks. Hello. All right, so uh, <clears throat> the reason this is a season-ender is that I got a, a new job. It's very demanding, and uh, I don't know what kind of schedule it will take to make this happen. So we are going on hiatus until some kind of regularity is established. <laughs> So think of this as me ingesting a lot of fiber. <laughs> God damn it. I was going to make a Metamucil joke, but you did it for me, so thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. A lot has happened between our last recording and this one. A lot of media has come out that, oh, yeah. that I'm sure people want us to talk about. But So specifically Stranger Things, right? That's pretty much what I want to jam on all day. Okay, so so what, so what we'll do is the same thing we did for Star Wars. We will save the Stranger Things. Like, we'll give our initial impressions without spoilers, and then we'll save the Stranger Things discussion for at the end of the podcast. Done. I like it. Everybody cool with that? Yes. All right. <clears throat> we have some retractions from the last episode. Oh, no. Yeah, the Steve Martin movie where he's a mobster in witness protection is My Blue Heaven, not My Blue Valentine. Ah. Yeah. Jeff Buckley was not in the 27 Club. He died at 30. I was wrong. And the album discussed at the end that I was discussing wasn't The Beatles Never Died. It was The Beatles Never Broke Up by Everyday Chemistry. All right. Those are some solid retractions. I like that. It's a good set. It's a good yeah. set. Good it's a good set. We have interesting conversations. Yeah. yeah. How you guys doing? Oh, I think actually Will had a retraction. He was like, when you're like, oh, you know how technology is advanced and we still use toilet paper? Yes. Will immediately called me. He was like, bidets, motherfucker. Yeah, but you still use toilet paper with the bidets. I know. That's what uh, that was the conversation I had with him for too <laughs> long this morning. Okay. Are bidets considered new technology still? <laughs> to most Americans, yeah. Butt fountain. The butt fountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you guys consumed in the in the past three four weeks? <laughs> I went on vacation, which is why we are late with this one. And mm. um, I read Murakami's Wind Up Bird Chronicle, which is like what's it, that about? It's a metaphysical mystery novel, and uh, it starts out really slow. Meaning, like, it, the mystery novel may not exist? It's a mystery novel involving metaphysics. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's this guy. 
a bunch of bad stuff's happening to him. His wife disappears. He needs to find his wife. But to do that, he needs to sit at the bottom of a well, a dry well, and lose himself in another dimension. Okay. Makes sense. The whole thing is crazy, It's but it's really good and it's really fun to read. And the plot is so-so. It's more about tone, characterization, just kind of like when you get done putting down the book, you're like, oh, that was fun. It was fun. That was a fun little ride. Cool. Isn't Murakami famous for writing? Like, like, sorry, instructing writing? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I just okay. read his books. So I read The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler, mm-hmm. noir novel. You're doing research. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I also I started The Maltese Falcon. It's That is a better movie than it is a book, man. <laughs> it's a bit of a slog. Oh, it's just the fact that it's third person mm. takes away from it, takes away from the, a lot of the vibe. And Stranger Things, of course. Yeah, Stranger Things. Doug, did you finish Stranger Things as well? Yeah, I did. Cool. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Max, what uh, what about you? I definitely watched Stranger Things. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, I finished Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Which How was that? I, I didn't finish that yet. It's it's great still. I can continue reading the Dresden Files, mm-hmm. which are always good. Counterfactual history. Yeah. that's It's always a fun series. It's, it's not, He doesn't know what's happening. Then he knows what's happening. Then it's done. <laughs> so it's like a very self-contained one and done that is a continuation of a series. It's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, very much. Where it's not like you're going to be like, oh, I got to get the next one. It's okay. Sometimes there will be a cliffhanger, but it's good. I watched a Australian vampire or Australian zombie movie called Wormwood on Netflix. That was really good. Um, there's one called They're Watching Us, which is a horror movie on Netflix about some village in Eastern Europe with witches. And that was good. Um, I saw Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah. We hadn't <clears throat> talked about that. I liked it better than the originals. And I, as soon as he said that, my with skin it. crawls. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. That's because you're a misogynist. <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, and I was reading The Martian. I like it. Yeah, I've heard varying reports about the book versus the movie. I heard the book from one uh, nerdy show reviewer that was incredibly boring. They left something out of the movie that would have made the movie – the movie is great, but it would have made more sense – in the movie, they talk about him being a botanist, and he's like, I'm a botanist. He's like, I'm going to do this because I'm a botanist. I can do this because I'm a botanist. But in the book, in the first like page, he's like, hey, I'm a botanist and a mechanical engineer. Yeah. If he, they had been in the movie like, oh, he's a mechanical mechanical engineer. Would have made a shit ton more sense. He's a goddamn mechanical engineer, then he's a botanist. Was there anything else I consumed in this broad period? Uh, no. There's, I need you. Oh, I made fried chicken tonight. It was Ooh. really good. Okay, you consumed some fried chicken. Well, I quartered, well, I aced a chicken, and then I fried it. <laughs> Doug, what about you? Um, Stranger Things, obviously, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, other than that, I really haven't had time to consume much of anything because I wasted way too much time playing Civilization Five after it was on sale, <laughs> and I uh, deleted it off my computer, so that shan't be happening again soon. Okay, how, well, how is my, it? My, it's, it's super good? Yeah. it's I. You know me, I've never been a huge fan of any type of strategy game really? or uh, resource management game Which or anything. surprises me knowing your personality. That's, yeah. I mean, I, always I'm like... I look just... at you and I see micromanagement. <laughs> what? <laughs> How? Yeah. <laughs> like, this, is, I, I, this thing I detest. Actually, like, as... I, I can't see your face, man. I don't know. I can't tell yeah. if you're joking. But Thinking but, of Leonard um, Nimoy makes me think of the Civ games and not... Anything. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, like, oh. like uh, Max, you're talking about the... What was it? Hearts of... Oh, Hearts Iron? of Iron, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm just like, oh my god, Like, I love the idea of playing as a country in World War II, but it looks so boring. 
But now I've done Civilization Five. I'm like, okay, I get the appeal, but I gotta fucking stop playing it because it's like it was it, it 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 was built to have an addictive quality to it. And, uh, and Civ, the Civ games took everything that Hearts of Iron has and just boiled it out and kept the fun parts <laughs> to keep the game going and be fun. There's never a moment in Civ where I'm bored because there's always something to do. Well, Hearts of Iron is a lot I... of like walk away and come back in half an hour and see if it's done. Yeah. Well, since I've deleted it, my productivity has gone up about 400%. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm better off without it, even though I would recommend it to anyone who likes those kind of games. As for me, uh, I saw Ghostbusters. I saw it with Doug. Not mm-hmm. a fan. Felt very misled uh, because it's clearly a film for children. <laughs> <laughs> and the trailers made it seem like, I don't know, not that, made it seem like an adult, you know, cheesy comedy. And also because I had seen recently another movie in theaters that was a comedy called Central Intelligence that was so much better. I was just disappointed that this was billing itself as a comedy and for adults, and it clearly is not. I mean, not even a little bit. Also, the the trailers kind of paint Leslie Jones as like a terrible tokenist reactionary character. She's not. The movie, she's the best character. She's, yeah, she was the best part of that movie. Yeah. She was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I wasn't a fan, but I, I wasn't offended by it or anything. It's just definitely not a film for me, and that's okay. <laughs> but the original... Mm-hmm. Is the your original childhood is. intact? Is my childhood? No, my I ruined my childhood a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. At yeah, I, I, watched, <laughs> I watched the original after watching it. ruined my anyway. childhood with drugs and alcohol. It's <laughs> like every red-blooded American. Uh, I also saw two documentaries that were very heavy. They're both by the same filmmaker named Joshua Oppenheimer. And uh, it was The Act of Killing and The Look of Silence. One follows the other. It's about the genocides in Indonesia. and Is that the one where they recreate? Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, yeah. It's, it's genius. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. genius because the the filmmaker wants them to talk about the atrocities they committed. And some of some people are very proud of these atrocities, but it's but he doesn't want them to feel like they're being attacked because they'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so what he does is he pretends instead that all he wants to do is have them make their own movie about it where they recreate the scenes. And he wants them to confront how horrible it is, but he doesn't tell them that. And then he's like, oh, I'm just here to film you guys making it because I think it's important. So you guys make it how you would make it, and then I'll film it. And you see them because they play the victims as well and they relive it from their perspective and towards the end of the movie you you start to see them realizing how horrible and evil I mean like, just yeah. the most evil things in the world that they've done like to where one, one guy's like he's watching a scene and he sees himself as the victim and he had to stop the scene because it was too intense for him and then he's like he's, he's talking to the filmmaker Joshua and he's like he's like the, the thing that happened in this scene like I felt how how my victim felt like he's like I couldn't do it. I felt like that's how how they felt. Is that how they felt? And, and he goes, No, they felt much worse because they knew you were going to kill them and that they were going to die and they were going through real pain at the time as well. And he and he like it just you see like it it actually comes together for this person who's kind of stupid. Like it's you get the impression that the people who committed these murders are fundamentally not introspective at yeah. all. And then this kind of forces them to examine what they did and it's. It's powerful. I feel like you, if you were introspective, would you go through with it? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. but but it's it's interesting way to force them to be introspective without attacking them. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it was, you it was know, really good. How do you come into a documentary and be like, "You're wrong," and they're gonna be like, "No, we're not." It's yeah. also important not to die making your documentary. Yeah. So so before the the first Depends. one was released, because he knew that like he would be killed. <laughs> 
or he just wouldn't be able to return to Indonesia. He made a second documentary uh, called The Look of Silence, which is also in Indonesia. And they found this guy. Uh, I, th- I think his name's Adi. I, I could have that wrong. I feel I feel so bad if I get his name wrong. But Con- this guy is an optometrist. And his older brother was killed right before he was born in these. And they know the people, like the the exact people who killed him. And those people remember killing him. And a couple of years before, Joshua had interviewed those people. So, so th- this documentary is him sitting down and watching the video of these killers bragging about killing his older brother. And then he goes and gives them an eye exam where – the eye exam is kind of a disarming experience, so he can ask them very deep questions, and they'll start answering in a way that they normally would be a little more defensive. And it surprises them, and it's very, it's very, they're both very upsetting documentaries. That's but. amazing, but it also makes me a little sad yeah. because what kind of revenge could a guy giving you an eye exam do to you? Well, he doesn't, he's not out for revenge. I mean, but, like, but if he was, that mm-hmm. would be a dope movie, too. But like, uh, <laughs> there, there's a part where his, yeah, there, there's a part where his mother is tr- is being like, I didn't know that, I wouldn't have agreed to do this documentary if I knew you were actually going to sit down with the killers, because they'll kill you. And and he's like, yeah, but, she's like, well, what do you want? He's like, I want to forgive them. Like, he's like, I think I could forgive them if I could find even one person who would acknowledge what they did was wrong. Even just one person, I, I think I could I could find the strength to forgive them, and it like and he just goes through and he's like an, he's a remarkable person. I, I can't recommend this one enough. I think it's better than the act of killing, just because it's so personal and I don't know, very good. Uh, I read two books. Um, I read uh, Waystation by Clifford Simak and The Chrysalids by John Wyndham. Waystation is about a guy who lives in a house. That isn't a house. It's a way station for aliens to travel long distances. They have to stop somewhere in, before they make the next jump. And he just the, – the the intro to the book, uh, it talks about Clifford Simak taking a different view of humanity than Heinlein in that Heinlein thinks human, humans are super badass. In all these different situations, humans adapt and they kick ass, whereas Simak's picture of humanity is that we we might be the friendliest out there. Ooh. So it's it's interesting because That's terrifying. No, no, it's it's good. It's good because this guy um I can't remember the main character's name. Enoch? I think his name's Enoch. He's from the he's from the 1800s because whenever he's inside the house he doesn't age. So he only ages about an hour each day when he goes on his morning walk. Yeah, but he he's like just a genuinely friendly person, lives in a small town, so people kind of know that he's he doesn't age, but they just keep they mind their own business. <laughs> That's, but uh, yeah, it's like none of the children are mm-hmm. missing. There's no witchcraft. Yeah. So, eh. so what happens? So what, the the plot of the book is the reason why hu- humans are the friendliest is he just makes friends with everybody who comes through. He gives them food. They talk. They laugh. They do all this kind of stuff, and everybody's just so surprised by how much they like him because aliens are typically a little standoffish, but they're very disarmed in front of him. And then an alien dies in his house, and he's asked to perform a ritual to bury him. And he's like, okay. So he like takes them out back, and they were friends. And he and he like digs a grave, and he learned a little bit of their language. He writes a little inscription, and then somebody takes the body, and it becomes a intergalactic incident. Oh. But people start showing up like diplomats from the thing, and and there's the whole reason somebody would take the body is because of they're trying to pull resources away from expanding into this arm of the galaxy, and they'll have to shut down his way station, and they'll have to do all this. And he's like, what? But no, come on. And and he's like, I'll solve this problem. I'll do it. And then. He and a couple aliens who are also his friends like go to try to solve the problem because they genuinely believe that he has the best intentions. <laughs> it's good. I, I recommend good. it. It was very it was a very uplifting book. And the Chrysalids is about some kids who are psychic trying to escape from a apocal a post apoc 
religious cult who kills anybody with any kind of deformity. And psych- being psychic isn't a, isn't a, def- a physical deformity, but it, w- it would be seen as not being made in the eyes of God. And it's about them trying to escape. And the youngest one is the most powerful, and she's in contact with people from Australia. And she's like <laughs> relaying to them where to go, and the people from Australia are going to come get them. And I don't know, it's good. That sounds good. It would make a good movie. It, it's not a very deep book, but it's good. And, of course, Stranger Things. You guys want to talk a little bit about Stranger Things without spoiling anything? Yes. No, because I immediately want to just gush <laughs> for about 45 minutes. Um, I enjoy the D&D opening. Yeah, the D&D themes throughout. Mm-hmm. Characterization was really fun. They, they got to spread that over the eight episodes very mm-hmm. well. Most of the casting choices were, oh, just great. Yeah, I loved Lucas. Like, the, he's just, as the skeptic, just... Uh, Dusty's my guy, man. Yeah. I did see a great post on, uh, like, two days after that show released. It was a picture of Dustin uh, smiling, and then it just said, if anything happens to this kid, I am deleting Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say just uh, be careful when recommending it because you don't want to hype it up too much. I've spoken with people who uh, hadn't seen it yet, and when they finally saw it, they were like, it's good, but everybody overhyped it, and I don't know. It's not really doing it for me. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. I don't. And yeah, I, I think that it's just not made for that kind of person. Yeah, I don't think you could have overhyped it for me. I have yeah. a friend who hates it. Yeah, I don't think I overhyped it, it, but I think other people are overhyping it. Like I've, yeah. I've heard other people talking about it, and they're just like, I mean, it is a great show, and I really enjoyed it a heck of a lot. But yeah. it's, it's not, not. It's not as good as Breaking Bad as a television oh, no. show. But but as a, if you think of it as like an eight hour movie, it's fucking phenomenal recommended it to both my dad and my mom and both of them finished it in two days like when they watched it and i was like so what do you think they're like it's just so good it's just so good it's and fun fun, it's fun and like and a little scary but not too scary exactly yeah my mom can't handle the scary stuff so she's like it got pretty scary one but then it comes around like but you know it like reminds you of being a kid and everything yeah it's just it's solid it, it's yeah. just it's so solid when the world was just more open and that kind of thing could yeah and yeah. the bad See, guys you were saying bad. Your, your favorite characters were the kids. My favorite character was their science teacher. <laughs> Interesting. See, I think I don't know. Actually, I think the sheriff might might have been uh, mine because yeah. he yeah, had he, was, he was my actual favorite character. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the sheriff goes from being somebody who I'm like, ugh, this archetype again. Yeah. To, I think uh, Nancy might have been the best character for me. Which one's Nancy? The, the girl. Older the sister? girl. Oh, the older sister. She has. She has. Well, she was arc. an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I she her, has a legitimate she, art. She was. She was a dum dum. She's a dum dum. She's a dum dum. How is she a dum dum? They they did have the one thing. That Barb, I want you to come with me and stop yeah. me if you know from doing something bad. Don't worry, Barb. I'm totally gonna bone this guy and you can leave. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the whole that's... time. Well, that's spoiling. I don't want to go into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so cut me off before I. So as D and D, like someone who plays D and D doesn't only speak in D and D terms. Like they had some of the kids. Do yeah, it. yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's still a good touchstone. No, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that show that, that where people act well like they wouldn't act but they act perfectly for this kind of genre. They act yeah. perfectly if yeah. they existed in an 80s movie universe. Exactly. In the, it feels like they combined the best parts of Poltergeist and E.T., and it's better than both. And say anything. Mm-hmm. And 16 Candles. If 16 Candles, they used a baseball bat filled with nails. Well, if that's how it ended, <laughs> we're like, oh, we got together, and I'm not, sure about, I'm not sure about the other guy, and they killed a monster. It's, that's that plot line. Or tried to. Yeah, Breakfast it's 16 Club. candles while while Jaws is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we got to get into spoiler territory. Oh, yeah. So oh, so yeah. so we're going to stop this conversation here 
and it's going to it's going to pick back up after the uh after we're done with the criticism and the body of the episode that's our that's our all right we're going to talk about submissions first i think we should do our stuff first and then move on okay. to submissions how, how do you guys feel about that? I feel or, good about that because that way we can we can spend a little more we can be a little more frank with each other and then we'll we'll we don't know yeah. the yeah. people who submitted so we can we can change the tone a bit. We're going to talk about our submissions and then we have two fan submissions that we're going to go over the most we've ever had and and give some uh, criticism and critique and uh, so we objectively and, have two fans yeah <laughs> and hopefully some also in, some encouragement. Liam, what'd you bring in? I brought in a, a revised version of the first chapter of the Goblin story. Mm-hmm. And this one is the one I'm the most happy with by far. This is as close, like, t- tonally, this is, like, 90% there, What you least. want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I got the bones. Um, I know... Why don't you uh, tell summarize what happens? Um, you find out there's a detective. He goes into his office. His partner's there. They banter a little bit. A lady enters. She's looking for her teacher, who's a wizard, because it turns out it's a fantasy world. Oh, you, mm-hmm. I was slip, slipping it in kind of slowly through the way. They exchange a bunch of information, and uh, Bowman, who's his partner, goes off to speak to the police to find out if there's any information on this on this missing person. And Trowell has to go after the Guilfords, which is a local gang. Okay. I think you, you found think? it. I think you found your opening. Yeah. Because the last one's was really- we we're going through the jungle with them. There's a lot of stuff happening before we knew who anyone was, and yeah. this is the classic introduction. Well, I also want to make sure that you knew that characters liked each other because yeah. I don't feel like you ever got that. Like they're not like they like each other. I my biggest criticism for you by far is the dialogue. I think that all three characters kind of sound the same. Okay, they use the same stilted way of talking around each other so like you'll have to excuse my associate and, and uh you know can you please describe this associate of mm. yours oh yeah he is around six feet but no okay. taller and he you know he he does mm-hmm. this and that and and they'll be like oh you'll have to excuse my rude friend here and they're like oh i'm not being rude uh, young miss don't do it, it they all they all take the exact same tone mm-hmm. when they're conversing together and then when they split it changes a little bit there should be some consistency, and if somebody changes the tone when it, when somebody walks in it needs it, to be a reason it, well it also should be different a different tone than anybody else is still mm-hmm. using. So that's that's my biggest criticism. I think if you if you nail down each character's voice, then this this scene will actually play out a lot better too. Exactly as it is. Yeah. What about you, Doug? Um, I would agree. I would just say that I uh, every complaint I've had before with the different versions of this, you've been fixing. So you're I feel like you're really on the right track and this has been improving with each one that you've done. Um the la- one of the last things I remember saying was I felt that um your detective was too forthcoming with his knowledge like he was kind of thinking out loud mm-hmm. and uh and i didn't feel that this time with the exception of one moment when he said something along the lines of like oh you know you went to that part of town you know like someone like yourself mm-hmm. i feel like he would have saved that for his partner because i loved the idea that he's just kind of like okay going along with it going along with it and then you kind of twist it where at the end he's like okay, she's lying about this, and, uh, you know, how did she get that kind of money? Or, you know, how could she afford that kind of thing if she's just, you know, in her fifth year at school? What was she doing at that end of town, someone like her? So she's clearly lying about where she's getting her money and whatever. Like, I loved, like, that you think he's piecing together something already, but instead you get this t- entirely different opinion once he's with Bowman. Mm. So I like that was, that. I mean, I still got that, but, um, yeah, if he, as long as he's more guarded... Tighten it up. I got yeah, it. Yeah, but good, man. You, no, yeah, I think I think you've really got it. So. Yeah, it's definitely improving. Loose lips sink ships. 
it, it feel it feels tonally appropriate for like everything yeah. you're going for. So is is that everything? Yes. I'd say so. Okay. Yeah, all right. Just, just it is the third time we've read almost the same <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that big of a deal. If that's all, what I brought in is the sixth chapter. Eh, it might be the first half of the sixth chapter of uh, of Malcolm Hat. It starts off with Malcolm in a tree, and uh, he's been put there. And you're, I don't really reveal what he's there to do until an animal appears, and then he grabs a bow and he's like going to take a shot. And he's like, "I can't shoot. I'm not going to shoot them. We have plenty of meat." And like gives up and takes a shot in case anybody's watching, but intentionally misses. And then he gets home and he doesn't get dinner. And then he has to work all day and work all day. And then goes out again, doesn't see an animal, goes home, still doesn't get dinner. And eventually he caves and takes the shot for real and feels so terrible that not only that he missed, but but the weight of the responsibility of actually trying to hurt an animal um, that if he had and he still felt like he needed to, that Kilvin immediately sees that on his face and believes him and gives him food. So that's that's the chapter. Yeah. I like it. It's got another lesson. I It goes along with the teaching you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it, the lesson comes through pretty clear. Oh, good. It's for the my reader. Big, my biggest. It's a, it, yeah, and it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a character progression for Malcolm, and it's also a reve- another reveal of Kelvin as being very capable and, and very aware of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Malcolm understanding for the first time necessity. Something he's never really run into before. Do you feel like my, – my, my worry in this one because there's, there's so many – I'm kind of really compressing his like philosophical problems into a very short mm-hmm. amount of, of stage. Do you feel like his – like when you're in his head, does he still feel like the same person that he did in the other chapters? I feel like a person who's growing. Yeah. Okay. He is yeah. the same person two steps down the line. Okay. And you sympathize with what he's – Yes. Okay. That's my main main worry. What do you think about the uh, structure of it? Was it confusing how it is kind of elastic depending on what night it is? No, because no. I also read the other version you had before you were doing that. Right. I think. And it, it's – I'm not going to say it's ideal, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. I feel like as an adult, I got the lesson right away, and that kind of carried me through him getting the lesson. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting for me to read him get the lesson because I already knew – what I thought he was going for. What, what Kilvin was trying to show him. Yeah. And it might well, not have been that. It might have, you know. I didn't anticipate what the lesson would be. I just assumed the idea was, okay, this is how he gets over his fear of killing an animal. But the lesson was even bigger than that. And it was that the fact that when he misses, he feels the guilt about missing, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to when he did it on purpose. So it was, it went in an area where, like, where I thought I knew what was going to happen. And yet it did, but in a way I didn't expect. And that's probably like the best way a scene or chapter can resolve in my opinion so yeah he progressed well and uh I, and like i said it before but i feel like every chapter that you go deeper into this book i'm learning more about him and it feels like he is growing so yeah just keep doing it awesome <laughs> all right i guess that's <clears throat> yeah all i got i i you guys gotta turn me a new one sometime Sorry. i got a quandary write a bad thing we'll do it okay i'll write some yeah. bad stuff I'm starting a new story. Again? Yes. Okay. That's what I do. (laughs) And this one is called Mortimer Montclair Buys an Earth. And it's about a dude who buys an alternate earth from the government. Okay. And then it's about him, but I also want it to be about a guy who's actually building the earth, the structures on the earth. So I had the idea of like, in the future, the government, you know, controls all the alternates. They can get there. 
someone can buy them. There's sides set aside for people and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they would hire these companies that would go out, like send a person out with like a big kind of 3D modeling machine and he would just go out and build whatever the owner wants. So like he would get daily design updates and everything. And I want to talk about that guy. because <laughs> That's a really like, weird idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because he'd be like on the earth or on this new earth just like building a castle and he'd be building something and then like he'd get an email and be like, nah, can we do it over here? And he's like, fuck, God So damn it's it. just the, from the perspective of a contractor in the future. Exactly. And But like he's talking about the bureaucracy of like the new earth mm-hmm. government and everything and how like most people can only afford to live on the moon and the earth has become this crazy thing and – I don't know to go into that or just get, stick with the contractor. I, I think that's a fun idea. Yeah, um, I think I think you should write an outline and then you can make that decision. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. I was about to say. I would love to see an outline. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day you'll Maybe ever day. you'll ever write an outline. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of outlines, I uh, I didn't bring my outline for uh, the film I was going to make about that LARP story mm-hmm. um, because it, if you read it, it wouldn't really make sense to anyone because you're not in my head. But my hope is that by the next time we sit down, I'll have a lot more to show you guys in terms of like a uh, hopefully a fairly detailed outline on how this story would fit into a feature length film. Now, also, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be complete either. Like remember, I was turning in incomplete outlines. True, true. So. But this one's so sparse, it like would be a waste right. of time. Like you'd read it in you know eight seconds. You know, but uh, well, I got eight seconds, Doug. I yeah, got eight no. seconds. Well, it would be a waste. It would just be like, I, I, all it is is that, oh, I've started to flush out the characters, and we got names for them, and it's shaping up. But I will say that um, I recently found out the original post that, that inspired this whole thing had a sequel story. Oh, the original. No. Yeah, there's another story, and I started to read that, and it's epic length. Like, the original story is about 35 pages. The sequel story is over 100 pages. Holy and shit. Yeah, uh, I haven't even finished reading it yet. I mean, th- the second story is gonna not going to have anything to do with, with what I'm doing, but I was just curious because I was always wondered if there was more to the story, and apparently there was. But yeah, I've been working my way through that, trying to get my story straight and how it's going to be different from the original text and how it's going to make a better... How to make a movie about it better as a movie and not just, you know, mm-hmm. reiterate what was already done. So Cool. I'm excited to see an outline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there will be one. You've seen other ones That's cool. before. Cool, like, yeah. Will certainly be That'll outline. be our first t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited, excited to see an outline. outline. <laughs> Ooh, I'd like to see that outline. I can't do an outline because I don't know what's going to happen next until I write it. Well, that's, that's, that's what an outline that's what is. The no, I sit down you, and I you, write you what write, happens. You write just the big points on the outline, and then you start being like, oh, wouldn't this be fun? Wouldn't this be fun? And then you do what I'm doing where I go – I look at my outline, mm. and I start writing it. And I'm like, oh, but this this can happen in this chapter, and then this, and then this, and then this. And then and insane then, to me. And then you go like – and then they kiss. Yeah, and then mm. they, they touch dicks. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our fan submissions. Yes. All right, so uh, which one do you want to do first? Uh, the I sequel. Want... Let, let's do the sequel second. Le... Yes. Okay. Our first submission is Goodbye, Be Safe, Farewell, Part 1 by Hans Menon. So I, I, we're going to have a lot of critiques and criticism for both of you guys because this is not a continuing thing. But don't be discouraged. Yeah. This is – this is we're, we're all on the right track. We're all on the same team. Yes. <laughs> so – so who wants to summarize what happens in this submission? I'll do it. Okay, Max, what happens? <clears throat> All right, it's about a family who is driving somewhere, and they get to a, seems like a government or military installation mm-hmm. where they're asked for papers. You can tell the mother is kind of nervous. The father seems proud and sad, 
they get into this installation. They, for some reason, because the kids are twins, it seems important or odd to the government people. They get in, they're given drinks, they're watching other families be sad, and they're talking about the kids being frozen. Is there anything I left out? I think that's that's the, that's the bulk of yeah. it. I yeah. Think you got it. Yeah. That's the bulk of the action that happens, yes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's talk about it. What would you guys think of uh, of Goodbye, Be Safe, Farewell? I was, let's just say, I didn't know where we were going. Mm-hmm. So I was enjoying the, the ride of the ride, what was yeah. going on at first. And then I was really intrigued when, like, there's people who are crying, you know, mothers yeah. and everything. And it's like, what's going on? And when they get there, they say two, but there's three kids in the car. I'm like, are they trying to smuggle another kid onto, that like, a spaceship or something? Too, yeah. And it kept me guessing. Most of the way, I've got. I'm just. I'm going to run through real quick mm-hmm. some nuts and bolts criticism. Not not the uh, yeah. story. Um, just 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 because it will be important to get your point across. It starts with a lot of run on sentences, and those get better as you as it progresses. So that's. I mean, something you could break it up a little bit, make it more clear. Yeah. Well, uh, and also, don't be afraid of the occasional run on sentence. Mm-hmm. It felt like this one. These were but a bit when, more confusing. Yeah. When, that was the issue. When you and when you do them every now and again, like if you describe the city and it went on run a little bit of a run on sentence because it's so vast, you can kind of display that. But yeah, there was a lot in the beginning. Yeah, where where it's about different things at the same time and it, it, a little confusing. There's many times a very vague passive voice, and normally I don't really care about passive voice because there's very good places to use it. Where if things are unsure or they are vague, like a. Uh, if you're trying to soften the blow of something, it, it's okay to use passive voice. Like, a, he may have shot somebody. You know, <laughs> it's it's okay to use passive voice in that. But when you're trying to just get the facts straight, it's... And display to the reader where they are. Yeah, it, you can't be so... You're not saying anything wrong, but it feels as though you're wishy-washy about the details. And you're not. You're, you're, you're giving the same information either way. General grammar needs to be tightened up a bit because I was confused in a couple parts because of a, the, where, the place a comma was placed or or not placed where it i wasn't sure what that phrase was modifying grammar would help and then the last nuts and bolts critique i have is that um it has the internet style of formatting where paragraphs are non-intended and they're double spaced ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns between them that kind of works against you in this one it, it really does break up the flow of the the whole thing and really makes uh the last sentence of each paragraph more important than it should be yeah i would say um another thing i noticed is the kids you're juxtaposing the older kids versus the younger kid who is just about his primal allergies he wants the apple juice he's got to mm-hmm. pee and the other kids there's an opportunity to make them 
more distinct from each yeah, other. Yeah, be like, well, even one of them likes him. coffee. I think, right? Yeah, that was like, the major like, distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I did feel the same thing that 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 the younger kid mm-hmm. was very well separated from the older two. But I mean, like they in their own voice, you could be like, oh, you know, we're not him. We're we're doing this important thing. We are mm-hmm. also. Yeah. I have I have no idea what the importance of twins are. Well, it might have to do with their age. Like they fit in a certain age bracket. Oh, okay. that's, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So, nuts and bolts criticism out of the way. Whatever, all that can be fixed really easily. Not a big deal. Not a detractor. As far as just actual use case, I think there, there's a few things. So, the use of father and mother to describe the mother and father, it gives a false sense of a pers- first person narrative. So, you as the narrator are calling the mother and father. I think it's coming from your perspective, and it's confusing. It kind of when messes with yeah. yeah messes with the narrative. Also, in the paragraph about taking the picture the first time use the word film it should be on film to take this photo instead of digital and they're like oh but film it as in take video and and that was pretty confusing so that's i mean there's other ways to like uh separate that and then in that the last sentence of that same paragraph you actually change to second person perspective when you're talking about and you do this a couple times not a big deal but you say that you would want this to be this way if you were going through this and that that shifts the whole thing so you can say that same thing without and make it about what the father would want i did like the symbolism of what why he wanted on film like mm-hmm. because him in the dark room would keep his it's, kids it's, it, like it didn't happen to that is, yeah, that's it's, a, nice. it's a it's a great that point was, yeah. that that i think if it wasn't shifting mm-hmm. the perspective would be would hit would have hit a lot harder yeah yeah it is a, it was a very good idea what I would have liked is leading up to the thing. I think the kids should be in dialogue either with each other or with Lyndon about what they're about to do. They don't have to give anything away, but the the total lack of foreshadowing, I feel like you're hiding the ball too much. Like I don't really know what's coming and not in a way that makes me antis- like f- feel anticipation. It's I just kind of like, ah, yeah, well, let's see what let's see what happens. I yeah, guess. I could have had more from the parents about why this is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they giving their kids? Are they being made to give their kids? And, and it doesn't have to be anything that yeah. will give it away. Like mm-hmm. you could just be like, oh, well, you know, you're old enough now. Like you, yeah. hit, you hit this age. It's time that we go to this place. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited. And then Lyndon could be asking questions like, what's it going to be like there? Well, we don't know. Do I have yeah. to go when I get old enough? Is this a one-time thing? Any... Yeah. Any bit of information that doesn't give away what, yeah. what you're setting up, just something that that gives them foreshadowing, so the reader is asking themselves the same. Questions. You should you should still see the outline of the thing you're approaching. You don't have to mm-hmm. see the detail, but you should know you're getting to somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think even just one or two lines that just they can be talking around the actual subject, but just mm-hmm. leading to it so that we know they're not walking into a disintegration chamber, so that they're not. Um, because the kids seem to know where they're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I as a reader just have not no talking idea. about it. I was yeah. hoping like there was going to be a cuz it yeah. seemed like they were going towards like a spaceship or something. Seems I was hoping it was going to be a twist where like they were being sacrificed to a god. Like, uh, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like, it was going to be like they're going to go see the god emperor and But like all this science is leading to like like a black magic ritual. <laughs> like <laughs> no, the sun must rise next month. We have to <laughs> But I think that's that's my complaint is yeah. that I'm imagining all these scenarios and if if I have this expectation, I, I have so many ways to be disappointed. Yeah. When you get to what your premise is. But if you start with leading it up where this is – they're going to go somewhere actually and they're going to do this and other people have gone before or it, just something like that, just some kind of hint, maybe maybe one or two that you can kind of talk around it, uh, it will stem that off a bit and I'll be more invested in, in what this reveal is going to be. And, and because I still don't really know 
what they're about to do. Like, they're going to be frozen, but is it part of, like, a space mission, or are they being mm-hmm. frozen and they're going to thaw them out in 100 years when the Earth is better? Because he calls the world a wasteland, and I'm like, okay, so yeah, with lots this of is scars. kind of post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. But yet they're driving in and a the- car, they're wearing suits, and then they get there, and they're offered coffee, apple juice, and, like, any drinks that they could ever want. And yeah, they don't sounds act like, like death row, yeah. Well, they, they, well, know, they, they, but they don't act like it's a big deal. Like, if right. the kids show up and they're like... Hey, um, would you like some uh, apple juice? And it's like, oh, well, he's never tasted apple juice before. You'd be like, oh, okay, like this is like a big important place that has all mm-hmm. these resources that they're not used to. Or even if they were not driving in a car, but instead they were like, if the car was like a really old clunker and most people were walking there, or if they were on a horse, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I, I don't know where the story goes, so I don't know how bad things are on Earth that this seems necessary because other than them driving through a desert, I don't know what's so bad. And just a few more hints. Yeah, right? like and, that's, and, and that's again, it. I get it. It's the first chapter. We're just get, dipping our toe into this world, so I'm not expecting to know everything. But e- even though the kids didn't have a reaction to it, they're just like, oh, this lo- this place looks really cool. And I'm like, I agree. It sounds like it looks really cool. But are they impressed because they've never seen anything like this before? Are they used to living in a mud hut? Or, you know, or have they seen big cities before? Like, I, I didn't get enough of anyone's perspective to know whose perspective I should be with other than I'm assuming it's not the mother and father because if it was their perspective they'd have a name but you know is is it like is this going to be a story about the twins that wake up a hundred years from now on another planet or is it going to be about the little brother that's left behind who barely has a memory of his older brother and sister and like I, should, I didn't know where I was yeah we should know that by the end of the first chapter maybe yeah who we're following uh, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm a little more ambivalent about that kind of thing but I think we can all agree. You got, I mean, you know how to tell a story. Yeah. We're into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Keep working at it. Like, this is this is something, we, we're intrigued. We do want to know what happens. None of our criticisms are even, you know, idea-wise. It's just kind of like execution on, yeah. you know, maybe making this work for you a little bit yeah. more. If the anything, I just want to get to lupus. sooner. You know, like, yeah. I just want to know what the story is because I am I am intrigued. I just need to get there. <laughs> yeah. We we reasonably know that there's what you can and can accomplish in a, in a first chapter. So. Yeah. All right, so our next submission is Chapter 1, our much-requested chapter uh, by Jeffrey McSorley Jr. of Dawn of Magic. I love that name. His, his name? His name. I just okay. like it. All right, it great. just sounds like it sounds like an actual author's name to me. We're like, the new best-selling novel by mm. Jeffrey, Mc, Jeffrey McSorley Jr. So who wants to summarize? All right, so <laughs> make, No, make Doug do it. Doug, you want to summarize? I read it a week ago. <laughs> I don't have the best memory. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. The first chapter here is... Um, a character named Marcellus wakes up, gets ready for school, almost misses the bus. Everybody at school hates Marcellus. He's been hearing a roaring sound in his ears, and he gets to class, and his teacher hates him. And then the roaring continues, but now everybody can hear it. And then a portal in the wall opens made of flame, and it's a dragon, and he roasts his entire class, but Marcellus is safe. And then the dragon carries him out of the school. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's the action that happens, but but there's there's a lot of internal. You yeah, know, and it could be and like yeah, like how long has he been hearing this roaring? Because it says like his ritual is to go into the bathroom and like drown all that out. Mm-hmm. So like, has he been hearing this roaring for a very long time? I've got I've got a lot of criticisms, all constructive. I'm not going to dog yeah. you, but what do you guys think? I found this really hard to read for one major reason, and that was the tense, mm-hmm. the present tense. Made it just, um, just it put an an, an extra ad, like it felt like delayed almost. Mm-hmm. Even though it was in the present tense, it felt I need my brain needed one more second 
to process everything and kind of figure out what was actually going on. Yeah. So I before, so like my, that would be my, my, my big thing. My I, I the present tense didn't bother me so much except for that a couple of times the tense changed in the same sentence. It says Marcellus shook his head and he goes to the sink. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, get, mm-hmm. th- that's confusing and I have to reread it in, in a weird way because now I'm trying to think so anytime you use the past tense in this it's because he's remembering something that happened before this moment. And when you shift like that, I'm thinking this isn't happening right now. It's something you remembered, but no, it did it. Yes. So that I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna use present tense, I'm okay with it. Uh, but you got to stick to it. Yeah, keep the tense. <laughs> yeah. And as a teacher, just the problems of children is just like, bleh to me. Like, it's just you have no. Sympathy is he overreacting? Yeah, no sympathy at all. And like, oh, everyone hates me and everything. And then something crazy happened so maybe he wasn't overreacting so what's what's interesting is that there there are a few things in this that would be criticisms if if it was a film and i I find it amusing because it's not a film it's not a film but if you if you turned in a script with some of these elements people would be like ugh but not because there's anything wrong with them they've just seen them a million times like waking up to your alarm clock that that was my first note (laughs) yeah it's like it's it's an alarm clock morning routine trope Goes, yeah, brushes just, his teeth, goes to the sink, does all that stuff. But but my problem was that, uh, and I, it may have just been the present tense is what was stopping the story from getting to me. But I mm-hmm. had no idea what this main character looked like until like you know several he, pages in. Like he knocked uh, on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I it. mean, uh, the, there's so many, there's so much detail about these minor things, like what his hand is doing, what his face is doing, what his mouth is doing. And I'm like, okay, but every human being has those things. You know, I, I can't, I can't picture who your character is. Check your privilege, Doug. <laughs> but, uh, and also, but even, but even his age, like, cause it's, uh, like, it says that he's, he's aged 15 years old. Well, yeah. I've already got a picture in my head of like a grown man waking up. Cause I, I have no idea. I've never read the story Likewise. before. I have no mm-hmm. idea where it's going. It says he's wearing Batman pajamas. And I go, oh, he's not a grown man. He's a child wearing Batman pajamas. Then say that he's 15 years old. And I go, 15? It's a little, little old for Batman pajamas. Yeah, why was his pee so dark? I was assuming someone waking up after a hangover. Yeah, yeah. like that's what I thought too at first. Yeah. But, you know, but then once we established, okay, soot. like he's, <laughs> you know, he's moving to the house and he's, uh, you know, oh, mom left the TV on again. I was just like, well, why does he say that out loud? You know, again, it's like because it was in the present tense, I started to judge it as if this was a script. And not yeah. not like a book, and uh, that's that's why I had to be careful with what my notes really were because I started to review it as if it was a screenplay. Now the the other trope that that gets seen in screenplays a lot is people going to the sink and washing their face when they hear something or see something. That's another one that's re- a little common. Uh, this isn't a screenplay, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you the um I, I before I get into kind of like the the bigger criticisms, I want to say that like I enjoyed it the whole way through. I was intrigued. Like I, I, the the reveal at the end of what was happening, I'm like, yes, like yeah. this is. I definitely things did are not moving and happening. Coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. That, that's. Um, I think you got a great idea. Great idea. The execution on the dragon was a little weird for me. He's like, yes, I am a dragon, and I'm here to save you. And it's like, is that what he would say? Well, I mean, I think I don't have a problem with the with the dragon's mm-hmm. dialogue. I want to get into the dialogue of the kids, and I Marcellus just, himself, because the I hear all dragons as Sean Connery. <laughs> And to me, that's not a Sean Connery thing okay. that a dragon would say. You haven't played enough Skyrim. So the problem with the dialogue is that it's too specific and unprovoked for the teenagers. The quip about your dad dying in the sandbox is way too much of an adult thing 
to say. Yeah. And when he says, like, hallucinations are not a sign of sanity, like, is he repeating that? Because that's, that's too performed. Like, not, nobody, nobody talks like that. Also, um, the racism against him isn't believable. And I, I don't mean that in the way that, like, Racism I, itself isn't believable. Right, or, yeah. or, or that somebody would get bullied as much as he does, but there's no context for it whatsoever other than his skin is black. And and you do a good job by, like, showing why they won't forgive him for it because he's not I – lo- like, I love the thing about him not selling weed being why he's not – you know, they, they, yeah. they'll pick on him because he's black. But there's no underlying logic for the people who hate him or, like, cultural touchstones that they're sticking to because, like, that they hate black people. So it just seems very flat and superficial, but there's ways to fix that. Because if like if if he had done something wrong, like years ago, and everybody still blamed him for that, and that's why they're using his race, you know what I mean? Like it allows, it gives them the green light to be racist to him. Like mm. you know, if he, if he hit somebody with a car, well, he's too young, but you yeah. know, so, something like that, where where he was involved in something that people feel like they're allowed to be racist to him. And that's what being what's brought up. I think it would feel a lot more like it, it came from somewhere. Yeah. Because as it is, I mean, they're just – it's everything they're doing is illegal. <laughs> you know, like nobody can it, – it's – it's. I just don't believe anybody would allow it to happen like that. Like somebody would stick up for him at some point. If, um, yeah, because – Even if, if it's it, not if it true gets, in real life. It will, because if it too many negative things happen in a row, it almost becomes melodrama. Yeah. Like it's just one awful, awful thing after another – and even this dragon coming to his rescue, although fantastic, is pretty awful because it's like I think unless I'm interpreting it wrong, everybody died. Yeah, yeah. he's and even even if you don't like those people, you're still a, a human death. being. And you're yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is now an atrocity. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched at least twenty people burn to death. Yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah, I thought no, that so, was, so it was so a that great, would smell. You know, great mm-hmm. reveal. I did not expect it, and it took took things in a whole new direction and gave it a whole burst of energy that I, that I was just like, okay, where are we going? Like in, in, yeah, in a good and, way. And it, and if you gave him something that he did wrong, it would make more sense why he doesn't really stick up for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, because he might still feel guilty about yeah. that thing. Um, I've seen a lot of fire drills with that much human fat and everything. That everyone else in that school is getting it. Yeah, that that fire is spreading, and no one's getting out. But uh, yeah, man, it's all right, but but it's still it's still good storytelling. Like I mean, yeah, like yeah. the the pace of what things happen and when, and the and and you do a good job of getting us in his head and what and how horrible his day to day life is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a couple things like if if you took away the alarm clock because it's done so much and just replaced it with a car horn beeps and he wakes up he's like oh my god and then he looks down and it's like oh I'm waking up 15 minutes early but he knows he can't get to bed like that alone yeah. will break the trope and you have the same story mm-hmm. yeah like you spent more time on the serial than you did a lot of and the serial was called crunchy semen later. and I want to know if that was a, yeah. an intentional yeah. I, I, I loved that <laughs> I loved that it was called crunchy semen. <laughs> I did. I, I I thought that was that was. I, I should have made a note of how much I thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I will say that um, although I was tripped up because of the present tense and because it started to read like a screenplay to me, but I got and the reason why it just because it was present tense didn't mean it felt like a screenplay. The reason why I keep saying it felt like a screenplay was one present tense, but two, you keep describing these things that sound like shots like a shot description in a, in a film like uh, mm-hmm. uh like i think i wrote down one of them was like a hands rummage through the silverware drawer that to me is describing a close-up shot like like very specifically like and like the, disembodied hands not yeah. his hand yeah mm-hmm. yeah but that suggests to me that as a writer you know exactly the image that you were trying to portray and you were getting very specific so I feel that you're confident. I feel confident in saying that you know where you want the story to go and what images you want to portray. But I just think there's a better way to say it, and you don't need 
the present tense to make it feel intense or or and I, yeah i think i think if you switch to past tense don't i mean if you want to do present tense don't let us stop you because yeah. there's plenty of good books written in present tense that are yeah you it, can make it work issue. it's just it felt yeah. so specific is all i i just feel, feel like with um past tense you can get a lot more elastic with time mm-hmm. and especially like who this person is you can go into their background and you can you can spend a lot of more time with with who they were before we met them well and and then you can you can also make decisions about narrative voice and and what position they're in and mm. Marcellus did this. This is why Marcellus did this. You could just have the narrator tell you why you yeah. don't have to have a weird, you yeah. don't have to use some, some like they usually say show don't tell. And you're, he's doing a lot of great showing and not telling, but sometimes it's long. Yeah. I, I don't really like the rule show don't tell unless um, I, I think I don't like the rule show don't tell because you need to be told a lot of stuff yeah. that is not happening. I think the rule should change to something like make sure stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that's stuff should happen. I think the reader should be reading things that happen. You know, and if that if those things need context, tell them the context. But stuff needs to be happening. I think that's that's maybe a better rule. Cuz I read whole books where stuff didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like Catcher in the Rye and like three things happened in that book and it sucks. I everybody else lo- I'm sorry I hate if, it if you guys love that book but I fucking hate oh, it I love it for its style but no uh, there's yeah. no plot to that book and there's no actually you know uh, no morality it's just well, no. such a shitty thing to no, emulate there well like there there is morality but it's like it's like it's, who, well the whole thing is it's almost self-parodying and anyone who's read that book who really really loves it doesn't understand how it's about the author mm-hmm. feeling alienated and they're like well I feel alienated too He's like, if we all feel alienated, let's get and, Salinger in here. Let's, yeah, let's I'm cr- sorry. Let's well, let's, but it's, just, it's a weird context yeah. when, like, when you all feel alien, like when everyone says they feel alienated and they can attach this book. That's then, a uniting uh, thing. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, like when well, everyone's like that, you're no not that fucking is. weird, guys. Kerouac's like on the road was like, he's like, this is a horror tale of shitty things that happened to me, and then people are like, oh, that's a lifestyle. And he's like, no, that was I, I hated it. Why would I live like? By the, I'm gonna die a yeah. drunk at fifty. He's like, why would anyone? I think like, this is my terrible life. I wrote a warning tale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and there's people who look up to Holden Caulfield, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's like, oh, I just understand him so much. It's like that's a bad thing. Yeah, you're a terrible he's not, person. He's, I mean, he's a protagonist, but he's not like a role model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boo, I have to go to a good school because my parents make me. Yeah. I'm going to run away. See, I've avoided the book I don't, for the job? same reasons that I've avoided all things Pokemon because I feel like I'm too old at this point to get started. You are too old for Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. I was I was yeah. too old when I read it. I, maybe if I'd read it much younger, I would have had any love for it whatsoever. I, I just don't. I, I mean, I, I I think it's well written. It's just, man, it is not my kind of book I was at too all. young for Clockwork Orange when I read it for the first time. So I, I'm sorry. I want to get back to. Yeah, I want to get sorry. back to. Some, we can, so let's, Je- we should so, cut that out. <laughs> so Jeffrey, Jeffrey, um, thank you for sending. Thanks for thanks for sending. Actually, thanks to both our uh, yeah, to both, yeah. To both our, so Hans and Jeffrey, you guys, it, it takes a lot of balls to submit things for bald critique. Oh yeah, you know? and also <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey, please, I want. I don't know where this goes. Also, I want to know where the old lady fits in because I miss her already. <laughs> but uh, just so you know, this this will be. Um, so before we cut to the spoiler laden discussion of Stranger Things, uh, I just want to reiterate that this is going to be the season ender for Bad Storytellers, and I hope you guys enjoyed the first season. And as soon as we can, we'll be back with season two. Hell and for, and for yeah. our two submitters, I yeah. liked it. And I want to see more, but I'd like to see an outline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep, keep Damn it, <laughs> Doug, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you took my line. I was like <laughs> <laughs> a t-shirt. Just, All right, that's good. I want to see an outline. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I want to see an outline. All right, guys. Thank you so much and enjoy the discussion. Thank you. Bye.
So, what was your guys' favorite spoilerific stuff about Stranger Things? It's just dusty. Eleven was super good. Um, yeah. Her introduction was really good. I that little girl is did so much acting with no dialogue. Yeah, this is really and good. and a kind of inconsistent character. Mm-hmm. Like, can she speak or can't she? Yeah, like the rules behind her are kind of wishy washy, mm-hmm. but that's fine. Sure. And the actress does a lot with it and makes you care. Yeah, had that been another had had someone else portrayed Eleven, I'm not sure I would have cared as much. There was nah. one scene with her where I'm like this is this is more Steven Spielberg than anything Steven Spielberg's ever done and it was the scene where she walks into the supermarket to get Eggo waffles oh yes. <laughs> and and leaves it was amazing like <laughs> like it's yeah. not as particularly powerful scene it's just this it's done so well that and I'm like I, I I feel like I'm watching the best Spielberg kids movie and it's a display of like power and humor mm-hmm. at the same time <sighs> Yeah, man. I think uh, the thing that surprised me and I was pleased with the most was that there was a grand unifying theory for why everything was happening. Like, you know, when the first episode happens, it's like, wait, so you got a monster, you've got psychics, you've got, what is this, time travel? Like, 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 there's so many things being thrown at you, and I'm like, how are they going to answer all of this shit? And that the monster isn't from the Upside Down? Yeah. He's from something else, but made it to the Upside Down? And the Upside Down might have been made by Eleven... Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that part. What what made you think that? Like it might be the like a a shadow place that didn't exist before her. Like they're fucking around with. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think of that. I got a whole rant on what I think was happening with the upside down and like why there's empty houses and yet there's skeletons of people in there. You know, like there were skeletons of people in the houses. There was Barb's head. Yeah, but she yeah. she was in the episode. No, no. When they went into the, the gymnasium in the end, there was like skeletons of people and like bodies of other people. Oh, was it because they were already dead in the real world? No idea. Well, I didn't recognize ate, any of them. Oh, no, 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 wait. Are, are you talking about ta- the library, I think. Oh, no, wait, Doug, I think you're talking about the thing that was like from Aliens where the people were tacked up to the walls and there's dead people. I think that's that's the lair of yeah. the monster. That's why. Right. He was but pulling wh- them. Yeah. Who were those people? How did they get there? Well, they were the, they were they, the missing people. Yeah, that, they said that, ten people had gone missing in like in that time. Yeah, so the monster had just been coming through and yanking people into the Upside Down. But now, did the police say that, or was yeah. that just like the government stooge? No, well, I think the there's a government guy. Yeah. The main government guy was like, ten people are missing. We need to find the girl to to solve this." Right, and and we don't know. Like they were probably covering it the covering up the whole time, and the sheriff was stuck on that. So, yeah. Well, that that would explain that thing, but I guess that also answers the question of like when the Duffer Brothers are like, "Oh, are you going to make a sequel?" They're like, "Well, yeah, it's a sequel, but it." They're hinting that it wouldn't necessarily involve the same characters, so I'm like, oh, if it's like, uh, I think it, yeah. I think they said it would. That final last one, I, yeah, I'll carry either way. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch whatever they make. Next. The ending, exactly. the only, <laughs> only just make a grungy I, '90s movie, make a Reality Bites world. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. <laughs> the, the only thing I didn't like was, uh, like I said, Nancy was kind of a dumb dumb. She kind of behaved in the stereotypical teenager lost in the woods kind of way, but I mean, it was fine. It, it was executed well. I was just like. She was the most cliched out of everybody. See, I but felt. the thing is, she was lost in the woods, and she's a young person who is dealing with a creature. Like, yeah. And yeah so instead, she like, I mean, like crawls into a hole. You know, like it didn't like I didn't understand. Uh, yeah, what well, her motivation the whole, was. The whole thing, the whole subplot of them wanting to kill the monster, those two, is the hardest pill to swallow. I think. Yeah. The yeah. whole thing, but I, I just like I have to but accept okay. this to keep moving forward. So yeah, I thought it was kind of like a zombie, like. 
these are the survivors that are, these are the people that know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And if you see someone else who knows what's happening, you're going to grip onto them. Yeah. Oh, but, and, and, and speaking mm-hmm. of which, okay, so the boyfriend gets reformed at the end. Steve. Steve. I love that. Um, I thought that I, was great. When it started, like when he's like, he, he's like, oh, I'll help you clean off this stuff. And like, shut up, dude. I'm like, yeah. no, man, I don't want to like this guy. Like, don't do this. Don't mm-hmm. do it. And then the wire the, does that to me every yeah. season. And but then, then they, and then the they end, did it. And I was like, all right. I was like, I'm glad that's how it ended up because it would have just been too kitschy for her to end up with the well, damaged he, kid. What was the brother's the name? The um, older brother of the will. Was the kid Jonathan? I think it was Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. He called her out and she stopped and she's like, yeah, that's me. He's like, you don't want to be your mother, but you really want to be your mother. And that's why she got together with mm-hmm. the the other guy. And she's like, yeah, I want to be my mom. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave this town. But it know? was, I, but it was good. Yeah, I love, like, I love that. I, I know. Like, like, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not something that that's used against her. I'm like, oh man, yeah. I am glad she ended up with him because then, because he is now he now deserves her. <laughs> like, exactly. Right and the sheriff putting egos into the box is just like. Yeah. Thank you. That I, is I was a, trying to explain that to my they, parents, and, yeah. and they're like, they're like, yeah, so he knows she's alive. I'm like, no, 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 no. He saw that things that exist in our world can transfer through, so he's just hoping that yeah. she's getting the egos. But don't even tell us. Like, that should be the end. There shouldn't be any more Stranger yeah. Things. It should end with that, where he's hoping. So I, I don't I don't know how I feel about that, but I do I do like the that the, the – re- okay, so the, my favorite thing about this series that it – it, I don't want to say it ends on a cliffhanger because the main – question is resolved yeah like you know what where's will is he gonna make it out yeah but they just leave like a little open ended be like more stories could happen in this universe yeah, but, it's, the, but the main is, main problems resolved the kid had eggs buried in him and planted in him yeah. Yeah. there was a little thing a little like a little slug, slug thing yeah and, well, I, he, that, that, and the whole that thing is that of, might i don't want to say it ruined the ending for me but i think that was the weakest part of the ending because it felt so obligatory whereas like leaving the egos in the woods i'm like okay that no, that leads to oh, man, no, i, I kind of love the idea that yeah. he is he's now flipping in between our world and no that down. was fine like the, like him like where yeah. he goes in the bathroom and the world kind of flickers i was like oh shit yeah. but then but isn't that the most goes, thing? and the slug pops yes. out i'm mm-hmm. like oh come on i did like, well we haven't break. gotten the slugs explained either so they might be part of a different yeah. a different thing i, I assumed down. he got face rape because they pulled that long tube out of his mouth yeah, yeah. but it might not yeah. be because of that monster because remember Bar- well mm-hmm. barb had the slugs crawling on her when she was dead and yeah. and is that is that the demogorgon or- or, or is it, or is it something that lives in the upside down? Or was it, or was it something weirder? Because he's also survived there, yeah. yeah, for a long time, longer than anyone else did. That's true. And and, and uh, I heard an interview with the Duffer Brothers, and they said like that's what they want people to think is that nobody's ever spent that much time there. That's why he, the world is kind of flickering for mm-hmm. him. And like that's the thing they used to do with movies, but like yeah, we killed the monster, and then everyone turns it back, and like something skitters out, and they're like, yeah. but what if? No, what they what they did what they used to do is a lot more cheesy. It's like the monster's dead, but is it? Like that's the thing. That's that's what I liked. I I saw that. I mean, thank you. I get that, but I think the thing that I didn't buy was that Will, who'd survived this crazy ordeal, seen the shit that he's seen, coughs up a slug, and just goes and has a dinner like it's nothing. Like I just didn't buy that he of all people wouldn't be like, Mom, can I talk to you? You know, who says he's like? I think he just wants it to be over. Who says he's Will though? That's okay. Ooh, but yeah. no, for real, that's cool. Yeah, because a yeah. good idea. He was in and, the upside down and yeah. changelings. And I, I think it's also interesting just that the way the the thing is set up. I don't mind if Eleven comes back for another no, season. Later. I don't like, or they find some crazy way to bring her back. Again, they set up such a um, a fun '80s movie universe that if they do it, 
It doesn't violate any of its own in, rules. Yeah, in a fun yeah. way. I'm going to be on board. Oh, what about like a Jumanji movie? Who else are we just where... talking about the cop has the best moments? Yeah. Yeah. So so we all know the exact moment yeah. when, when the cop when... went from stupid to awesome yeah. is mm-hmm. in the bar where yeah. he's interviewing that guy. Just cigarette out, hard cut, beating the ever-loving shit out of a motherfucker. I was yeah. like, fuck yes. I was like, he give, he really gives a shit oh, yeah. about this. <laughs> he he yeah. crossed that, – that, that was the moment where he's like, oh, I'm investigating this. I'm doing whatever. Yeah. To, okay, all in. Going all in. Let's see how this plays yeah, out. I, I loved it. Yeah. Now, that, and, and there's other stuff that's hard pills to swallow, like when they when they catch him, and then he wakes up in his own apartment. It's like, yeah. why? Why is why? he alive? Why? Yeah. Why is he alive? But they shot Burger Guy, who didn't know anything, in the back of the head. Right. I feel like a sheriff disappearing causes them more headache than. Also, especially on what was the case he was working on? You yeah. Know? Like, oh, yeah. he was last talking about going up to the, you know, to the to the lab. Yeah. We should go talk to the lab. Can we talk about Burger Guy for a sec? Yeah. I when Burger Guy first showed up at the beginning of in the first episode, I think that might be what won me over for the whole series because you got this character who appears in every way a stereotype, and then the moment the narrative shifts a little bit, you're like, oh, this is this somebody really cares about people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's yeah. A genuinely. Good like, human. Boy, like, what are you stealing my food? And then he's just like, yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. You okay, <laughs> kid? Like you know, and then from then on, it's like, okay, here's some yeah. ice cream. Like another moment I really loved was when like the MK Ultra. When they caught the sheriff down there, and they're like, "Well, hey, since you're down here, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like they just used whatever they had. They had complete control of like every situation mm-hmm. because they were the CIA, and they're like, are they though? Okay, so here's the thing: no, they, are, are they a government organization, or well, are they a private company who pretends to be the government when it suits them? Wasn't it MK Ultra? Was what they're talking about? That's what the 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 researcher oh, did before. Before, so. I got the the feeling that this this power company is a private company that's doing illegal shit. So like a military and, contractor? Yeah, but but not actually affiliated with the government. Yeah, like oh. they're hoping to have a breakthrough and so those which, the which would sort of make sense because they were strong army, but not strong army enough. Yeah, like, like they didn't have. Well, they, 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 they were didn't bring using in eleven to spy on the Russians. Yeah, they were. Yeah, like they, they knew were. who to look for. You know, fake soldiers. Well, even then was just projects right and i love i love that premise that she winds up in this blank room and she can she can hear them speaking and then there's something else in the room mm-hmm. that's that's a great that doesn't even notice her and she's like no yeah Mm-mm. yeah that's that so is spooky. the nope nope that is science like we open a door and we're like hey what's in here and it's like well there's a lot of things in here <laughs> two things two of them are monsters yeah two of them are monsters yeah i thought that was rad but Spoiler alert the monsters us <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> Well, one of the monsters was us. Yeah, one of the white haired guy was straight up a monster. Yeah, he was very, very. But then gross there was person. there was a very literal monster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and poor Barb. Poor Barb. Yeah. Um, poor Barb. <laughs> Winona Ryder Barb. starts out as a, as again as a terrible cliche that I didn't like very much. But it, as soon as she's introduced to Eleven, I was like, oh, this is nice. I like this. Yeah. Just keep this up a little bit more. Uh, it's gonna be over soon. You're not gonna be able to keep it up anymore. <laughs> That's some of the most intense acting I've seen her do. Yeah. Should do a good job. <clears throat> okay, yeah. so I think that's got to. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we, we don't. We don't have. We. we I, I don't think we're going to say anything else about this that nobody else has said. It's. It's. True. It's so much fun. It was just so much fun. I don't have. I think that's that's my that's my overhyping it is when I recommend it to people. I'm like, it's just so much fun. Let's just just yeah. go have fun. Fuck the, yeah, the, Netflix. The last thing I wanted to yeah. say about Winona Ryder though is that I I've, I've seen the cliche of oh this person sounds crazy and they know they sound crazy but you the audience know they're telling the truth. I've never felt as bad for them as I did yeah. for Winona Ryder in this, where it's just like I just I know she's not crazy. It's like in every other horror movie or sci-fi thing, 
like you've seen this, but for whatever reason, I just bought it. Like, and I felt so bad for her more than anyone else. Maybe because she thought her kid was dead. Like, well, especially with the deal. cliche of the um, of the of the bad, the deadbeat dad. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they it, very cartoonishly bad guy, deadbeat dad. But perfect for the show. Oh yeah, like, it's perfect. so perfect. And when she found that like flyer from the lawyer, and she's yeah. just well, like, "Get the fuck oh, out!" Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And the, the only line would have been more cliche is if he was eaten by the monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. Um, the line where I was like, "Oh man, you're really tugging it." You like these heartstrings here is when Jonathan goes and visits him and gives him a flyer of of him. He goes here so you can remember what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus. Oh yeah, it's good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Bad Storytellers, now presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream us from Google Play. I've been your host, Josh LaForge, and I'd like to thank my writing group again, Doug Banks, Liam Malone, and Max Wessel. Now remember, as listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming. Visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Bad Storytellers on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.